may be seated. Well, this morning, I'm going to have a, a special guest come and share with us. Uh, and as, as, we, as he comes up, um, I just want to uh, share with you some verses first. We're starting a, a series here, kind of a discussion on uh, crushing fear in the next few weeks, talking about what you're afraid of. And uh, I want to read some verses to you this morning that kind of establishes this. You've heard me share these before, but I think it's appropriate because we're talking about not fearing that I share these verses. Isaiah 41, uh, verses 10 through 13 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Nate, why don't you come on up here? I want to just show something to you right now. Verse 10, it says this. And, and just come on, right, hang out down here for a second. Just, you know, in the corner. Uh, Verse 10 says this, God will lift you up by his righteous right hand, and he takes you by your right hand. So for this little demonstration, I will be God. Um, it's a big stretch, I know. But Nate is, is man, he's humanity, he's just, he's the guy, he's the one we're talking about in this verse. And so check this out. This is not something to where it's, it's like this hand-in-hand, you know, smurfy thing walking down the lane type of, a, type of an attitude or an action. This is a right hand, right hand, lifting up face to face moment here saying, I'm with you. I got you. I'm going to help you up and let's get up here. You see how this works? This is not something to where it is just this, here, like, like this thing. I love <laughs> you. I love you. Yeah, I know. Thankfully, right? It's, it's like, come on, I got you. Let's do this. And he's got his strength and your strength in, in, in your pulling each other. And you know, it's so good. And it's such a comforting thing to know that this is the position that our Lord has with us when he says to you, do not fear. It's huge. It's huge. So we're going to start this, this crush fear series conversation. And Nate, because of the things that he does, he's, he works with master plan ministries up on campus and they do this, this week long, two week, two week yeah. thing going on and, and uh they do this this whole thing where they you know crush people's fear and it's it's awesome and so we're gonna we're gonna do that in here which i'm excited so would you just kind of welcome <laughs> nate with us this morning as he awesome. is here to share this thanks, is so Mark. good yeah, all right so turn to proverbs 28 1 as we get started here and as you're turning there who would you be if you had no fear just think about that question next question do you really want to get over your fears now, when we ask those questions and when we do this Crush Fear Project, a lot of times people might not say it, but they don't want to admit that they have fears. So if you're going to stay with me this morning, you have to pass a little test. All right, it's just three questions, but if you fail, you're not going to get anything out of this message. So question number one, A, fear has never really been an issue for me, and I really don't need to deal with it, or B... Fear has been an issue for me as much as I don't like to admit it. All right, so any A's in here? Any B's? Some B's? Okay, good. Question number two. My fears have contributed to a satisfying and fulfilling life and have helped me be all God made me to be and accomplish his purpose for me. Anybody? 
Any takers? Not really. Okay, B. My fears have really hindered me and have kept me from all God has for me and the purpose he has made me for. Can anybody identify with that? I can. All right, last question. I think most of you are going to make it. Since fear isn't an issue for me and since it hasn't ever affected me, I plan on catching a 30-minute nap right now. Anybody? No. Okay. B, since fear has truly been an issue for me and since it has kept me from all God has for me, I trust God to work in my life this morning. All right. Is that all you guys? All right. We all deal with fear. And if there's anybody you know that acts like they don't have fear, it's probably just a facade. I remember talking to one of the most confident athletes that I've ever worked with on the college campus. And he told me, Nate, I have more insecurities than anybody I know. Okay. I also talked to our star basketball player, a different athlete, who had played for a Division I school. He told me, I'm so insecure, I can't put my insecurities down on a piece of paper. We all deal with fears, whether we like to admit it or not. And sometimes the most confident-looking people are those that have hidden it so well with this facade that's not really who they are. We all have fears, and we all need to deal with them. And here's the great thing. In Christ, you can live a fearless life. Now, the title of this talk is Fearing More to Fear Less. And I wanted to title it that because it'll make a lot of sense later in the talk. And I hope it really drives home the main point. But the point that I want you to get is that you can experience the fearlessness that God made you for. You don't have to live encumbered with the many fears that prevent you from being who God made you to be and doing what he made you to do. See, God has a purpose for you. And it's one that nobody else can fulfill. But if you allow your fears to prevent you from becoming and doing what he's made you for, you'll never achieve that. I believe if you pay attention this morning, not because I'm some great speaker, nothing like that. If you pay attention to God's word, and this is going to be saturated with God's word, you will find the keys to live a fearless life for the rest of your life. Listening to this and applying this, which is important, won't necessarily mean that you'll have no fear but it will give you the tools you need to deal with your fear when you encounter it. So please join me today and pay attention to this. And when we're done, please apply this. You're going to have these yellow cards. These are going to be for application. That point will come up in the talk. Don't worry about writing stuff down in the application section right now. You could use the back for notes if you want. That's your call. But you will have an opportunity to apply all that we talk about today. And I hope you will, because that's when it will really become real. So now let's go to Proverbs 28.1. Okay, you there with me? It says, The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Did you get that? The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We just heard this command from Isaiah where God himself says, do not fear for I am with you. Whenever God gives you a command, he enables you to obey that command. There's not a command in scripture that's there in vain. They're all meant to be fulfilled in the power of his Holy Spirit. So when he says, fear not, you can obey that command if you follow the principles that he gives us in his word. Now, Proverbs 28.1 tells us of two different kinds of people, the righteous and the wicked or the unrighteous. And I think it's easy just to read over that and not really understand what it's talking about. And that'd be the biggest mistake we could start with today. Because if the righteous are fearless and the wicked are not, and I want to be fearless, the last thing I should do is just assume that there's no big difference between wicked and righteous, right? 
So I wanted to start talking about the wicked and the righteous and what's the difference between the two. So defined righteousness means to be obedient to God's laws, innocent, faultless, guiltless, and wholly conformed to the will of God in thinking, feeling, and acting. How many of you are there? On your own, you're not ever going to be there. Okay? So do the math. If none of us are righteous, and Ecclesiastes 7 tells us that, Romans 3.10 tells us that no one is righteous, not even one. If no one is righteous, if none of us live up to that standard of righteousness, and if you have to be righteous to be fearless, how many of you are fearless on your own? Zero, right? Zero, none of us. So fearlessness really starts with righteousness. And there is good news here. And I always want to share this because it's the greatest news that you could ever hear. The good news is that you are very sinful. Romans 3.23 says that you and I have fallen far short of God's glory. Nothing we could ever do could achieve that righteousness that we just described. We're incapable of getting there. Thankfully, Jesus himself, God in human flesh, came and lived a perfect life on this planet. And then he died on that cross for our sins. We're going to celebrate it in two weeks. Side note, the resurrection of Christ is the best evidenced issue of history in all of the Bible. Atheists can't reject it. This is incredible that your salvation was paid for by Jesus, God in human flesh, dying on the cross for your sins, and then rising again to give you life if you'll put your faith and your trust in him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tell us that it's by grace that you've been saved. Through faith, it's not of yourselves. It's not by works so that you can't boast. Nothing you could ever do could achieve God's righteousness. Nothing. Nothing. But when you come to him and put your faith in him, receiving the gift that he's given you, you are adopted into his family. You're given a purpose for the rest of your life here and a guarantee of eternity with him in heaven. That's awesome. And it doesn't end there, but scripture literally tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, when you do that, it says previously in 17 that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Few verses later, it says, if you've become that new creation by putting your faith in him, God makes you his own righteousness. So now are you righteous? Yes. Are you practically righteous in that in your practically in your practical life you live up to that definition every day? No. You're positionally righteous. You've been declared righteous. God has looked at you and said, You've put your faith in me. Now I declare you righteous. It's a legal term. You've been made righteous because of what he did, not because of what you did. Now, as someone that's righteous, can you live that fearless life that Proverbs 28.1 talks about? Can you? I think you can. I know you can. But we don't always live there. Like so many other things in our walk with God, it's easy to not live up to what God has called us to. It's easy to fall behind what he's called us to. See, in Christ, we've been declared God's own righteousness. Fearlessness begins right there. And my hope for you today is that as you realize who you are in Christ, that that would lead you to a life of fearlessness. I ask you at the beginning, what has fear kept you from? Or who would you be if you had no fear? Just think about all the different things in your life that fear has kept you from. The whole idea of this Crush Fear project that Mark talked about came about about five years ago. My accountability partner and I, Austin Crocus, were in Denver at three in the morning. 
And we had just come back from a 10-day vision trip to Romania, Moldova, and Turkey. When we were in Turkey, we were a part of the largest grouping of Christian college students ever in the country at that time. And about four months, if I'm not mistaken, before that, three of the workers with the organization that we were with had been martyred. And it was the most gruesome martyr story I've ever heard in my life. It was hideous. And we talked with these people, and they were so fearless. And we turned around and talked with people in another country that were not fearless. And we came back to the U.S., and we saw so many Christian workers that were terrified to share their faith because they were terrified of maybe offending somebody, because they were terrified of who knows what. And Austin and I were driving around Denver at 3 in the morning, praying for the city, praying for each other, and asking God, what is it going to take to get the body of Christ past all of our fears and actually fulfill the purpose that he's called us to, to reach this dying world with his good news, that great news that I just shared. And as we sat there, it occurred to us that fear is the hindrance. We're so fearful that we don't take the steps that God calls us to. And that's how this Crush Fear Project was born. Well, I want to encourage you as we think about this and as you're about to hear the keys to living the fearless life that God has called you to, to realize this purpose is great and you have what it takes. See, 2 Peter 1.3 says that his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness by the knowledge of him who called us. He's given you everything you need for the fearless life he's called you to. He's given you everything you need to share your faith with your sphere of influence. He's given you everything you need to make disciples of those that are in your sphere of influence. He's given you everything you need to be a part of this church, not just a spectator. He's given you everything you need to be fearless in him. And we're going to hear some of those keys today. And I hope that you latch onto these and don't let go of them. So the wicked man flees when no one pursues. What's happening here? The wicked is fleeing from nothing. We have an acronym that we use quite often for fear. We didn't come up with this, but it's really good. It's false evidence appearing real. Can you say that with me? False evidence appearing real. And that's what fear is. It's when I choose to look at something and believe it is true, not what God has told me is true, right? So I'm believing something other than God. And this is terrible. This is why FDR said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Because so often fear is just false evidence appearing real. It's believing something other than God when I should believe God. Howard Hughes was one of the richest men in the world during his lifetime, right? He spent the last years of his life lying naked in bed in dark hotel rooms with tissue boxes on his feet, burning the clothes that he happened to be wearing during the day whenever somebody got near him that might have had germs. This was a multi-billionaire fleeing from nothing, literally. Now, we can all get there real quickly. We can spend this entire life running from things that we don't need to fear whatsoever, and we do it as Christians, and we don't need to do it. So your fears, and I want you to own this this morning, are false evidence appearing real. So look them straight in the face and realize... They're not true. God is bigger than those fears, right? Now, even if your fear happens to come to reality, one of the biggest fears is cancer. So let's say you happen to get cancer, right? Is that the end of the world? John 10, Jesus promises you the abundant life. In Romans 8, 28, he says he'll work everything for your good. Can you trust him, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says you have an eternal perspective that you can live with. You can look forward to heaven, to all of eternity with him. Can you look forward to that eternity? So even if one of your fears does happen to come to pass, 
It's still nothing. It has nothing to keep you from God's great plan for your life, right? So at the end of the day, your fears literally are nothing. And my fears literally are nothing. They're false evidence appearing real, no matter how you want to look at it. And these fears lead to a life of pain and agony. And because I always have to use acronyms, there's one more. A bunch of our students are at our retreat. A few of you are here. And you know that we use lots of acronyms. But anyway, it's good because it helps you remember these things. So your fears lead to a life of pain and agony. And there are four big categories of fear that I think we need to deal with this morning. And that you should address as you consider yours. The first one is P, and the acronym is PAIN, because fears cause pain and agony. The first one is P-phobias, irrational fears. We all have these. I have an irrational fear of spiders. (laughs) I hate them, especially black widows. I don't like them at all. I will scream and dance and flip out like you've never seen if there's a black widow anywhere near me. All right, A, anxieties. We all have these, fears of the future, not being able to control circumstances or outcomes, right? We all have these anxieties. Insecurities, fears of what people think of us, personal fears, right? These fears that lead to self-doubt and a lack of confidence. And N, narcissistic fears. And I mean that when I say that. These are the most prevalent type of fears, the fears that say, I'm not willing to give God control. I'm holding on. These are the most deadly types of fears. And I'd rather have a million phobias than a narcissistic fear where I say, I'm not willing to trust God with what he's called me to. But we all have so many of those as well. Now, these fears are going to keep you from the life God created you for, and they're going to keep you from all that he wants to do through your life and the abundant life that God promised you in Christ. They always lead to so much pain and agony. So how can we beat them? There are great ways to beat these fears. You don't have to live in these phobias, these anxieties, these insecurities, and these narcissistic fears that fly in the face of God. We don't have to live there. So here are the keys. I'm going to give you the five biblical keys for crushing your fear. Right? Remember, his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness according to what? Your knowledge of him who called you. That's in his word. So we're going to go to his word and we're going to look at the keys he gives us in his word for dealing with our own fears. God set you free, guys. He says in Galatians 5.1 that he set you free. And he says, keep that freedom, maintain that freedom. Don't be brought into slavery again. And that's my hope, that you'll live in the freedom and the fearlessness that he's called you to as you apply these principles from his word, these five principles from his word. Okay, the first thing that you need to know as we bring up these five issues is that your fear will not just disappear, okay? And I'll touch that again. You have to come to this battle with a willing readiness to face it head on. It's impossible just to put your fear to the side and hope it goes away and I never have to deal with it again. I need to look my fears in the face and deal with them I need to apply these five principles from his word as I deal with each of these fears. So the first way to conquer fear is to fear God. This is why you need to fear more to fear less. You were not made to not fear. You were made to fear the right thing. Does that make sense? It's impossible for you not to fear. But if you're fearing the right thing, you're not going to be fearing the wrong thing. 
And Jesus himself gave us a key. He said, do not be afraid of those who want to kill you. They can only kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? So don't fear these other things. Fear only God. Now, when I talk about fearing God, I'm not talking about fearing his punishment. First John 4.18 says that there's no fear of that in love. And that's because having trusted Christ, I spoke at the beginning about the good news that we have in Christ. If you have not taken that step yet, I would encourage you not to spend another minute without taking that step. You could come talk to Mark or any of the staff here and say, I want to take that step of faith and put my trust in Christ. If you've taken that step, you've been adopted into his family. And you rest secure, he says in John 10, in his hand and in the Father's hand. As if Jesus' hand isn't enough, the Father's hand also has you covered. That's awesome. Now, in that security, in Jesus' hand and the Father's hand, right, you can trust him over any other fear, and you don't need to fear his punishment. Fear of God is literally, one, reverencing God for who he is. It's seeing him for all that he really is. He's God. He's greater than anything. If I see God as greater than my fear, do I fear my fear? If I fear what I'm fearing, what does that say about how I view God? I view him as smaller than my fear. The other side to fearing God is fearing the real consequences of not obeying him. Okay? This is when I realize if I were to do my own thing, it would really screw up myself and a lot of other people. And it would cause a lot of pain, and I don't want to go anywhere near that. It's a healthy fear of the punishment that he disciplines the ones he loves with, it says in Hebrews 12. So the fear of God really boils down to, am I looking at God the way he really is and seeing him as bigger than my fears? And if I'm living in fear, I am not looking at God the way he deserves to be looked at, right? So we need to fear more to fear less. You can't not fear. You must fear the right thing. So the first step in conquering your fear is to get God where he needs to be. To reverence him and to realize how wonderful and awesome and powerful he is. And that with him on your side, nothing can come against you. The second step in conquering fear is to die to yourself. Jesus told this in Luke 9, 23, that if we would be his disciples, he said what? We need to take up our cross and follow him. That involves dying to ourself just like he died on that cross. That's why Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but he lives through me by faith, right? So the second step to conquering fear is to die to myself. Retired Marine Colonel John Ripley, with just a few hundred men, was tasked with holding off 20,000 invading troops. You know what his orders were? Stand and die. Can you imagine those orders? Stand and die. He said, when you know you're not going to make it, a wonderful thing happens. You stop being cluttered by the feeling that you're going to save your butt. He didn't use butt. (laughs) I paraphrased. (laughs) But do you get this reality? When I've died to myself, I don't have anything to lose and I don't need to live in fear. Right? I used to fear so much. What if I die? Who's going to take care of Aaron and the kids? God is much bigger than me and a much more capable father, right? Much more capable provider. If I see him for who he is and if I die to myself, I don't have to live in these fears. Third, I conquer fear by knowing and applying God's word. 
Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We quote that often for our Crush Fear projects. You've heard that quoted probably for many years about dealing with fear. But the reality is that verse comes after another one. And we always have to read the context. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. I command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Did you get that? So if I'm not knowing God's word, reading God's word, studying God's word, meditating on God's word, applying God's word, I don't have the faintest prayer of succeeding and being fearless. I need to get in his word. So I need to fear God more. I need to die to myself. I need to get in his word as a lifestyle. Day in, day out, consuming his word and applying it in my life. When I apply it in my life, I'm actually living his word, believing it to be true in what I really do. Not just saying that and living a different way. Okay, finally, or actually fourth, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says that when we pray, he replaces all that fear and anxiety with a peace that surpasses understanding. So whatever your fears are, take them to God in fervent prayer and fasting. Right? I don't just passively hope they go away, but I ask God daily to destroy my fears so that I can walk in obedience to him. Finally, fifth, you have to conquer fear by taking a step of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is good. Jesus told his disciples in Mark 440, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, faith is the antithesis of fear. And as I walk by faith, I do not walk in fear. See, fear doesn't just go away. I must step through it. Every walk starts with a step, right? So we always tell our crushed fear students, you have to step through your your fear. You have to take that first step. Now, I'll go back to my college days. I was a sponsored snowboarder. And one of my friends that wasn't challenged me. Oh, if you're such a good snowboarder, why don't you try a double backflip? And I'd never tried the double backflip, right? So, of course, being too proud to not try it, I said, okay, I'll try it. I sat there looking at that stupid jump for three, four hours. (laughs) And the fear just kept building and building and building and building. And I realized something about fear that day. The longer I look at something, (laughs) the fear doesn't get less. It gets greater and greater. So finally I said, I'm doing this. (laughs) And I tried it and it didn't work out well and I never tried it again. But anyway, I dealt with the fear and I hope that you'll take that step of faith through your fear, not waiting for the fear to go away. This really begins with a risk. Can you guys all say that with me? Risk, risk. (laughs) All right. We need to take a risk for God. Mark Batterson writes this. He says, when did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things, that faithfulness is holding the fort, that playing it safe is safe, that there is any greater privilege than sacrifice, that radical is anything but normal. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe, but he died to make us dangerous. I'm encouraging you to start taking some risks in your walk with God. Take some risks in this church. Take some risks in your marriage. Take some risks in your job, in your career. Take some risks with your kids. Take some risks to share your faith and watch that fear dissipate. But you have to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. We always tell our students, you don't have what it takes, but the Holy Spirit in you does. And that's true. So take that step of faith in the power of his spirit and let him work in your life. Now here's 
and we're going to have the praise team come up and play for a minute. Here's where it really comes to your neighborhood. We're going to have an application time. Take out that yellow card. We're going to play for about three or four minutes just to help you get started on this. And I want you to consider your top five fears. Remember the PAIN acronym, the phobias, anxieties, insecurities, and narcissistic fears that cause so much pain and agony in your life. And as they play, I'm going to ask you to list your top, top five fears below. Okay? And I want you to be honest. Don't just put spiders and thunder. All right? Put the fears that keep you from all that God has for you. And if you're too afraid to write those down, I'd ask you to step through that fear this morning and be honest with God and allow his Holy Spirit to work in your heart. Okay? Put those down and then begin working through those five points of dealing with fear that are all in his word. You won't have time to finish this this morning. Put it in your Bible afterwards. Pray about these things daily in your quiet times. And begin to let God work through these issues in your life and lead you to fearlessness. And as we close, I want to ask you guys to get an accountability partner, a Bible study leader, staff person, a friend that you pray with, that'll keep you accountable to crushing these fears. Show them this list. Say, ask me how I'm doing with this list. I want to be all that God's made me to be. You guys... Mark Twain famously wrote, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. Your fears are not going to just go away. But as you take the power of the Holy Spirit and decide to walk in obedience to God, he will crush them and you'll be freed up to live the life that he called you to. And with that in mind, remember Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? You have the God of the universe standing with you as you crush these fears. You don't have what it takes, but his Holy Spirit in you does. And as you walk with him, trusting in him, you'll be as bold as a lion. Let's uh, just thank the Lord for, for this message this morning. God, we praise you and lift your name. You are so good, and we just are excited to know that uh, in you we can do great things. That through you, through the power that you give us, we can be set free. So, Lord, I just, just pray that today may you equip us as we have written these things down. May you equip us with, with the knowledge and understanding and strength to move past these fears, to crush them under our feet, to not allow the enemy to begin to, to throw these at us anymore. But may it be that we are free to advance in what you are calling us to do. Crush our fear this morning. Over the next three weeks, Lord, may we experience a new freedom because of the fear that is being crushed under our feet. We praise you, Lord. You are God, and we give you all glory this morning.